This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. For more information, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. The decline of the retail store continuing. As we mentioned earlier, Payless Shoe Source has filed for Chapter 11 and will be closing some 400 locations. Meanwhile, Ralph Lauren is closing its flagship store in New York City, and Sears recently announced its list of closures. In all, 10 retailers have filed for Chapter 11 protection this year already, which is the most since 2009 when 18 filed for the entire year. So are we now in a tsunami of failing department stores? We asked that question and others of Wharton Marketing Professor Peter Fader, who joins me in the studio, and on the line, Mark Cohen, who's Director of Retail Studies at Columbia University. Pete, great to see you again, as always. Great to talk to, talk to you, Dan. Thank you, Mark. Great to have you back. Good morning. Thank you. And I'll put this question out to the listeners right now at the top. We'll get your opinions, do a little informal survey here in the next half hour. What is it that department stores are not giving you or doing for you? You can uh, answer that question at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. Or if you'd like, send us a comment via Twitter at BizRadio111 or my Twitter account, which is at DanLoney21. What are department stores not giving you or doing for you? Uh, I guess, uh, Mark, I'll start with Payless Shoe Source, which is a story that came out today. Uh, I looked at that story, and I saw them getting squeezed on two fronts, one obviously online, but the second being a better economy means people want better things and maybe don't want to shop at a place like uh, like Payless. You know, it's all about the merchandise first and foremost. I don't think they have had a compelling assortment uh, for a very long time. Uh, I think they've gotten drastically overextended with the number of stores that they've got. They've been relying for forever on um, uh, promotions that they refer to as BOGO, buy one, get one, which at some point loses its efficacy, and a long time ago I think that's occurred. So, you know, you, you run yourself out at the end of a plank. At some point it starts to creak, and I think what we've just heard is the plank's actually cracking. <laughs> Uh, closing 400 stores is probably a prelude to closing the enterprise entirely. I don't know how they're going to remediate their issues simply by reducing the size of their store fleet. Uh, Of course, I agree with with Mark. It's uh, impossible to disagree. But I think it's more than just about the merchandise. I think it's about the customers. And that that Payless has uh, built up a customer base of very low-value customers uh, now that's in part related to the merchandise, uh, and you just can't run an enterprise unless you have some whales out there who are going to help uh, keep you afloat, uh, and and the ability to to find more and to grow your customers into to more valuable ones by just being you know kind of bottom fishing all the time, uh, you, you can't sustain yourself. And that's a that's a type of business, Mark. That I I don't even see them having any reasonable online component to to try and do sales. Correct. Well, you know, the online component in footwear is particularly uh, problematic because of the extraordinary incidence of returns. Customers shop footwear typically by buying multiple pairs in multiple sizes and then returning uh, the, the pairs that don't fit. Uh, Zappos has made a tremendous success out of this, although it, it's unknown as to how much money they actually make. 
Um, my sense is, though, that Payless just has has gotten mindlessly over-large with stores in too many locations that are not productive enough for them to remain viable. They've also been acquired by a private equity group, and th- there's there's a there's an enormous trail of evidence that suggests that the leverage that these investors put on businesses um, create an untenable position for the business for the mid to longer term. They just can't cover the debt that they've now in, uh, been encumbered with. So, you know, this is a business that did thrive on getting bigger because scale does work if it's uh, managed in the right context. Uh, by closing down a substantial number of their stores, they lose a lot of that leverage. Um, I just don't think there's a future there. Uh, allow me to highlight Mark's point about the, about the, the, the debt, about the private equity firm. That rarely shows up in these conversations. Usually we're, we're only focusing on these kinds of stories from the consumer side, saying that the company failed to deliver adequate value and so on. Right. But very often it's on the supply side. Uh, and who's to say that the number of stores that they, and we don't need to, to single them out, but lots of other retailers, who's to say that they were operating at equilibrium? That a lot of stores, whether it's because of debt or they're just overbuilt. Uh, and so some of this pulling back is is actually natural uh, and, and, and should be expected and isn't necessarily a, a calamity. In this particular case, it's it's more than that. But we should expect a bit more of a retrenchment across the board. Yet the fact that, that I mean, here we are in the beginning of April and we've already had 10 retailers file for Chapter 11, you know, the most in, in almost a decade. When, that, when it was 18, I mean, this is seemingly, last year was not great for retailers. This year is seemingly going to be maybe even a bigger issue with more companies filing for Chapter 11. Well, I think your tsunami metaphor at the outset was, was a good one. Uh, uh, and, and here it comes. But you know what? You know that the tsunami's coming. You see the tide going out before that big wave hits you. Yeah. And there have been so many signs of it and coming from, from all directions, which is uh, consumers... Uh, a taste changing and becoming more demanding, um, all the, the pressures of, of the Amazons and the other outsiders out there, um, uh, uh, uncertainty in the economy, uh, private equity firms imp- imposing a lot of debt on retailers. So yeah. there's just a, a, a lot of signs to show that it, it hasn't been business as usual. Uh, now, uh, is this uh, – will the wave hit and then we recover from it or is it building and building? That remains to be seen. Mark, I wanted to ask you about about uh, Ralph Lauren uh, closing the flagship store in New York City, uh, where you are. Uh, just take us into a little bit as to why they are doing that, uh, because, I mean, the brand itself is still a pretty pretty viable brand, a very good one uh, around the world right now. I've got to tell you, I was uh, quite surprised to hear the announcement that they were going to close that store. They only uh, It's only been open in, since, uh, since 2014, and it was... Uh, typical of Ralph Lauren, a very elaborate, expensive, indulgent expression of his brand. Uh, the, the, the fact is that the retailing uh, that takes place on Fifth Avenue in New York is heavily driven by tourists. Uh, tourists are still evident, but the strength of the U.S. dollar makes their buying power a little less than it's been in the past. Uh, the, the business generally speaking, in New York has been tough, 
and here is Ralph with this uh, $25 million a year uh, lease, um, which apparently had no pathway to success at any time in, in the future. So, you know, they took a big, uh, a big breath, and they, and they just simply announced that they were going to close it, along with a whole host of other cost-saving measures. Ralph Lauren has been doing very poorly for three or four years. Huh. And at the end of the day, there is no natural law that suggests that an iconic brand as iconic as his has been, um, uh, is guaranteed to be successful forever and always. They've put an enormous amount of, uh, um, uh, of emphasis, without ever saying so, on the outlet businesses that they uh, support. And that's doing uh, most of the, or at least half of their volume and probably more, most of their profitability, or at least half of their profitability. So this retrenchment is painful. It's humiliating. Uh, but it is apocryphal uh, of what's been going on. Uh, to Peter's earlier point, I would add, though, that the United States has been overstored for decades, and now we're seeing the, um, uh, the inevitability of that in this, this increasingly um, um, troublesome round of, of store closings and bankruptcies. And of course, the internet is 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 the uh, you know the disruptor of all disruptors, if you will. Right. Uh, it, because because the internet is growing and continues to grow double digits, whereas brick and mortar is dead flat at best. Eight four four Wharton is the number if you'd like to join in and give a comment. We're asking the question: What are department stores not giving you or doing for you right now? Uh, we're talking about uh, the department store issue in general. Uh, obviously, we mentioned at the top, uh, Payless Shoe Source is uh, filing for Chapter 11, so they're closing a bunch of stores. Ralph Lauren closing their flagship store in New York. Sears made its announcements. Lots of retailers are having to deal with a lot of red ink right now. 844-942-7866. Or if you'd like, you can send us a comment via Twitter, either at BizRadio111 or my Twitter account, which is at DanLoney21. And actually a comment from Twitter right now by Philippe uh, says department stores are not following the demographics uh, right now, which uh, I'll throw that to you, Peter. I mean, the demographics obviously depend on the store that you're talking about. Uh, Are stores trying to maybe do too much and trying to reach too many people in some cases? Yeah, I don't think we can blame demographics. It's real easy to just point to the millennials. uh, And you hear all these statements about how, uh, millennials will, will will never. I forget what the statement was. Will will never go up an escalator. <laughs> right. <laughs> that, that they want to just just walk in, do their business, walk out. Uh, I I don't think it's it's that easy. Uh, nor is it fair to say that everyone born within a certain cohort uh, um, thinks and, and acts the same way. I think it's it's something more fundamental than that. I think it goes back to the, the merchandise that's being carried. I think it goes back to the the, the, the value of the customers, regardless of the, the, the age on their driver's license, that uh, that retailers just haven't really focused on very much. Uh, they, they just don't really know who their customers are. Uh, and, and to try to paint good or bad customers with a broad brush isn't going to get the job done. Mark? Mark? I certainly agree. I, I, I think that... Uh there are there are no lack of customers regardless of their age or generational standing and there's no lack of disposable income 
And uh, the fact is that millennials are spending more money on tech than on apparel is just a manifestation of the ever-changing nature of the business. The department stores, Macy's, for example, painted themselves into a terrible corner years and years ago when they eliminated most of the categories that they used to offer historically and focused principally on apparel and accessories. And apparel and accessories are off-trend. And they don't have anything else to put up for sale, so to speak. Well, let me ask you for a second, Mark, about Macy's, because uh, Terry Lundgren, who's a longtime CEO of that company, uh, decided he was getting out uh, earlier this year. How much of that do you think was timing that that he could see the writing on the wall for Macy's? And how much of it you know, may have been the board of directors saying to Terry, you know what, maybe we need to make a shift? Well, this has been described publicly as a retirement, and, and Terry is at, is, is at about that age. Uh, there's been um, um, discussion of succession for several years. Um, so in that regard, this looks like an orderly transition. Uh, when all is said and done, Macy's has been pursuing for several decades a last-man-standing strategy, which served them well until it stopped serving them well. And unfortunately, and Terry gets the blame for this, uh, now they are merely a dead man walking. Right. They, they don't have a forward uh, viable strategy. Now, they're not in trouble uh, because their balance sheet's still okay, and the activists who are, who are pouncing seem to have backed away. But when, when, when you finally get down to it, what does Macy stand for? How does Macy's uh, conduct itself successfully? And the answer is nobody knows. Because, because they've been operating as if um, uh, they were in something of a vacuum, uh, and it's now caught up with them. And so the point is that, that they are acting like a dead man walking, but they do have the opportunity to, to redirect themselves. They, they have good stores and good locations. Uh, the, the, there's nothing stopping them from changing the mix of merchandise or the experience that they offer in the store. There's nothing stopping them from... Uh, allocating more to, say, uh, customer relationship management and, 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 and doing more uh, analytics and so on. They do have an opportunity to, to turn this thing around, and they, do, right. and they even have some, some runway to, to do so. But there's no indication that they're going to pursue anything that will change their fate. Well, the problem also, Mark, with Macy's is obviously they have a, a big footprint in a lot of big malls around the United States, just like J.C. Penney's has had and, and just like Sears has had. And the pressure being put on these mall owners right now is is ever-increasing because of the fact that people are just not going to the mall like they used to. The, the super regional malls, there are 230 or 240 of them. The number is indeterminate. But there are several hundred super regional malls that are fully uh, tenanted, with multiple anchors, the stores tend to be completely up-to-date. They're fully uh, trafficked. They are limited by parking. Those will continue to be, uh, in my opinion, successful far out into the future because, because people will want to continue to shop uh, in a physical setting. But the B, C, and D malls who've lost the Sears will lose a, a Macy's, will eventually lose pennies, and are losing a whole host of these specialty stores that are um, either closing stores or actually going out of business through a bankruptcy proceeding, they're toast. There's no recovery. 
there's no, for some of them, I guess, there can be some redevelopment by way of lifestyle merchandising. But, you know, customers don't like shopping uh, in an empty mall any more than they like uh, dining in an empty restaurant. So the, the, the prospects are particularly grim. With regard to Macy's, Macy's has quite a few high-profile, perfectly viable stores, but they also have several hundred that they have not yet announced closing, that they have not been investing in, that really are awful and, and uh, poorly represent the brand, that they've been running the clock out on financially, and that strategy has now come back to uh, haunt them. Uh, I think they have to close quite a few more stores, and I also think they have to stop using Macy's.com as merely a surrogate for their weekly newspaper insert and begin to use it as a full-throated uh, marketing opportunity to talk about what they do have to offer other than what's on sale this week. Uh, and I don't know that there's any capacity, to Peter's point, for that to actually happen because it's all a play on leadership and unhappily I don't think there's uh, I don't think there's any energy in the new CEO's voice when he describes his future uh, strategy and and as, as Mark said it all comes down to discounts and yeah. that's that's yeah. not the way to, to to win people over to, to fight off Amazon uh, and 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 Mark said it very well. Sometimes they're not calling it that, but that's that's all it is. That that's all they know how to do. Uh, and there's just much more that that yeah. can be done. In fact, they, you know, a, a an in-store experience is and can be should be much better than just a, a clicking around online. It's not the case that people hate shopping. Yeah. Uh, it's just that they haven't been given really good opportunities to make shopping fun, interesting, engaging, different than the online experience. Mark, another comment from online. Uh, department store shopping is generational. The stores are not limber enough to cater to customers. How do you respond to that? Well, you know, <laughs> success in retail has always been about agility. It's always been about uh, the capacity to uh, create um, uh, an assortment and an, an environment that, that represents a driveway decision that something customers really look forward to. And, of course, if, if you satisfy a customer in an outstanding fashion, the customer comes back, whether they're a millennial or a boomer, it doesn't matter. Uh, the, the shopping environment in the department store has been on a downhill uh, run for a very long time. Presentation has been, in many cases, just abandoned. Right. Customer service is non-existent, despite the claims that many of these companies make about their customer service strategies. So, you know, they, they've rendered themselves in a whole variety of ways completely unappealing. And, and you know, the whole magic of retail has always been creating that appeal and then doing it again and again on a daily, weekly, monthly basis. Uh, th this is a real tragic... Uh, uh, turn of events that we're now seeing in, in Technicolor. Uh, that 10 enterprises have gone into 11 just in the first quarter is shocking. Uh, this is going to be, uh, to your earlier point, a tsunami we haven't ever seen in this industry. Peter? 
so I think it's it's easy to dismiss department stores because of the bad practices that they've been following for a generation. Right. But I don't think that the department store concept itself is is dead and gone. If you think about it, you know, Amazon's a department store. So I don't think people mind buying products from from retailers that that sell a, a broad variety of categories. It's just the way they've been implemented. And and all the stores that we've mentioned, the department stores we mentioned, the Sears, yeah. the JCPenney's, the Macy's, they're they're basically operating now the same way they were, you know, 40 years ago. Uh, and they're just not taking advantage of technology, of doing things that are genuinely experiential, of, of, of the fact that we're selling lots of different stuff and we can surround you with a right. wide variety of, of categories. It's just a bunch of separate little specialty stores that aren't even connected to each other. Uh, I think that they're, they're just creating their own problems. I do believe there's a way out without even naming names, without having a specific idea in mind. I think that someone will reinvent the department store concept. Sure. We'll we'll make it good and we'll make it fun and we'll make you want to stay around for a long time. So I'm not writing it off just yet. Well, let me ask you this quickly because uh, here in Philadelphia, there's a mall outside the suburbs that has a couple of the big stores that are vacant. And they added in this Legoland experience, you know, to try and bring families in. We talked with a company that's doing kind of that experience experiential uh, thing in a mall setting, uh, one in Dallas and one in Chicago coming up uh, next year. Are these things that, that can maybe save the malls? Well, I think it's important to sort out the retailers themselves from the mall operators. Yeah. And it's great to see the mall operators trying. And they're, they're facing a grim situation with a lot of the, the real estate they have. But with some of them, whether it's bringing in those interesting experiential activities or what about opportunities like, uh, I think it was Simon who bought Aeropostal, I think. Yeah. Uh, just the the mall operators just trying to shake things up a little bit more aggressively and creatively than the retailers themselves. Mark, well, there are about 1,100 malls that I would describe at risk, and I do think, uh, to Peter's point, some of them will uh, represent themselves. They will they will uh, change the mix. They'll introduce exciting concepts like Legoland or others. Uh, like them that people would will seek out. So there's no question there's some success that's out there, but I'm I'm cynical about the larger number of the 1100 um, because because I think that from a financial point of view, many of them are hopelessly encumbered in the manner in which they've been capitalized, and uh, uh, they've now put themselves in a position where someone has to pay or spend an enormous amount of money to rehab and refresh them let alone change the mix inside. So the, the prospects are overall not very good, though in some locations there's going to be a rebirth or a renewal. Uh, again, the Internet just keeps growing, yeah. and this represents uh, uh, a new element of convenience and capacity and power on the part of the consumer. Uh, who can, you know, sit in her underwear in her living room in the middle of the night and shop with abandon without having to uh, make the trip to the ubiquitous mall. Great to have you both with us. Uh, thank you, Mark, for joining on the phone. Greatly appreciate it. Thank you. Mark, great to see you, Pete. As I always. It as well. Peter Fader from the Wharton School, Mark Cohen from Columbia University, talking about uh, the retail industry and uh, more department stores closing their doors. For more business news and analysis from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.